when we talk about capital A art, we a lot of times initially think painting or sculpture or a thing that you can go to a gallery and pick up and put in your home. Many people see what I'm doing as I'm running an organization. And yes, I am running an organization. And that is part of my artistic practice. Hello, and welcome to Arts In, also known as AI, the podcast produced by Creative Pinellas. I'm Barbara St. Clair, your host, and I'm here with Carrie Boucher. You are the denizen of the Nomad Art Bus. So Nomad is neighborhood-oriented mobile art and design. The organization, you know, the outer umbrella is Nomad Studio. And then Nomad Art Bus is a project of Nomad Studio. Mm -hmm. Nomad is not anything that I ever planned that would be part of my life. It just kind of happened naturally, but that is the way my creative process goes. I was happily living and working as a studio artist in Chicago and was ready for a change in my studio practice. And it was a good time for me to be returning to the community where I grew up. So I came back to Florida and I I thought I would teach for a little while. So I taught in a charter school setting for a year and that had me looking at things like access to arts. And and that came about because the only time that the kids didn't want to listen to me was when I told them it was time to clean up. And I thought, I have these students who have art once or twice a week and they're telling me that they don't have enough art in their life and there have got to be other gaps out there. And so I just started a conversation on social media about how can we fill those gaps and and where are they? So that was around February of 2013. 13, when I started this conversation on social media, by May, a bus was donated to the idea. There are plenty of places to go and look at art. You know, it's wonderful. We have a great community around consuming art. We also have a really great, the citizens of Pinellas County are so supportive of the arts in that they support through their tax dollars, art education. But there are places that are missed by that. We also have great institutions that have access, free access to art programming. But the problem is many people who could benefit from that don't have a means of getting there. And sometimes if they do have a means of getting there, it doesn't feel like a space that is comfortable. So I knew that it would have to be a mobile project. We were going to have to go to our participants Mm -hmm. because they they were not making it to the art centers. Mm -hmm. They were not making it to the after school enrichment programming. And and so it came about as a bus project because I knew that the the only way to most effectively find those gaps and fill those gaps is if we were to go out into the community. Okay. So you knew you were looking for a bus pretty early in the process. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I loved the teaching environment. I loved having art supplies around me at all times. I love working as a teacher in many different ways with kids, with adults. I also know just by nature of the creative process can be messy and some people would be hesitant to welcome that into their homes. And I knew that this wasn't gonna be a project where I would be renting a space because we already have that. That would be redundant if I opened a space and offered art programming in a space. That's the reason why the mobile project exists is Mm -hmm. because I knew that that was something that was already covered. So I thought, you know, a traveling classroom would be great. And the only thing that makes sense would be a a bus or a box truck or something, you know, a semi. I'm not going to drive a semi. 
so that summer we started building it out and then we debuted at Gasparilla Festival of the Arts in 2014. Okay, so you say we and then you say building it out. So who is the we and what does building it out mean? So this project became we even before the bus existed, which was a big change in the way that I work. I've been a studio artist my whole life and have always had really kind of tight creative control over all of my work. And I realized pretty early on in this project that if it was ever going to be, I was going to, it was a community project. It wasn't my project and I might help guide it, but the community ultimately is what is going to inform me on what this needs to be. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I really had to rely on many, I didn't at that time know how to drive a vehicle that big. I didn't, you know, if it broke down, I didn't know how to fix it. So this, this was so much bigger than me. And I recognized that early on. So it became we, and I started speaking about it as we, in as in the community before I really had a team going. But then as soon as the bus came along, the help came. And ah, yes. Yeah, so I had help building the bus out. So we had to, it was pretty much at that time an empty shell. And the first bus was an empty shell almost. So we had a little bit of clearing out to do and then building tables into it, basically turning what would be like the inside of a RV or an empty bus into an art classroom. So that that was long hours of, I mean, inside the bus, it must have been 120 degrees just mm-hmm. in the summertime, working on asphalt, parking lot, pulling those things out. But we all loved it. We all just were in love with this idea of this mobile art project. So then when we debuted at Gasparilla, the way that most people engage with it was another thing that the community informed. It was never my intention to have a bus that would travel around and have people painting on the outside. It happened organically at Gasparilla Festival of the Arts. There was a lot of interest in what this bus was doing there. And it's an art classroom inside. I want to get inside and see it. Mm And so many times during that first debut, people were standing outside waiting to get in because they wanted to see the space. And I just know myself, like, I'll wait for a little while, but if people are doing projects in there and I know that I'm going to have to wait 15 minutes or 20 minutes, I might not stick around. Right. And there was a beer truck not too far away from where we were. So there was incentive for some people to like, like, I'm going to go over there. And so I just started, it was this white fiberglass bus and I just started handing art supplies out outside and encouraging people to just make a mark on the outside of the bus. While you yeah, yeah. So we hadn't decided, you know, I, I thought that we'll probably have a mural on the outside or some kind of signage. And now it's just like, I couldn't do that because this is the way the community participates with the bus. And you take it around and people paint the bus. Yeah. Yep. So we have, we have the like big bus as a public figure for Nomad Studio. And then we also have programming that we do, art education programming that we do in areas of poverty, rec centers, domestic abuse shelters. We were two and a half years at a halfway house where we did programming twice a week. So the bus is really important as the face of the organization and as the way that people learn about it and and love it. But there's also this other side of it where we have art educators who are teaching art. We have a art therapist who designs programming for populations in sensitive life situations where we're not doing art therapy, but we're designing a program that is, you know, runs parallel and aligns with why art is healthy for people. Looking at it, the value of art outside of the market. 
Mm-hmm. Like it's great that we have the art market. It's great that people are able to make a living and buy art that they love. But there's also this whole other sphere of like why we do art that has nothing to do with transaction. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, and it is why do we sing our songs? Why do we dance our dances? Why do we make our pictures? It's about communication. It's about belonging to a community, feeling like you belong to a community. It's about personal expression. It's about health, feeling healthy and good and whole as a human. So we're interested in that part of it. We're mm-hmm. not in, we're, I mean, I personally, yes, I'm interested in the art market. Yes, I, I love to go and support artists. I love to go and buy work. But Nomad is about this area that seems to be forgotten, that is the genesis of all of creative activity. Well, tell me more about that. So the, so the way that I look at it is because we are a creative species, our creative potential, I think, is, is almost limitless. We have, you know, the kind of brains that are always working and interested in discovery and exploring and questioning. So in our history, we've been making creative and aesthetic decisions for, you know, over 100,000 years documented. But something happened where when people think about the arts and talk about about the arts, often they're talking about the market. Mm-hmm. And, and so at some point in our history, this the idea of the market came along mm-hmm. and much of what we do around the arts, you know, when we're talking about that, we're talking about the market. Again, I, the market is great. It does not need my help. We love it when adults participate. Often they don't allow themselves to participate. So we go to an event and we have the bus there and the grown-ups will come and sign the kids in and we'll say, you know, everybody's a participant and you know, whether you are just, if you're watching, you're a participant as well. But we would love for you to grab an apron and some paint and and participate. And and often they say like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just here to watch my kid paint. You know, they're going to have a good time. And then they start art directing. (laughs) So they say like, oh, you need a cloud in the sky over there. You know, that sunshine needs some more yellow on it. And, and, you know, so then we know like, okay, this is a case where the child is executing their own vision and the adult has their vision and what the adult needs is a pot of paint. And so it's kind of like the kids are our gateway to the adults. We do programming with everybody in many different situations. We did two and a half years at a halfway house where for once or twice a week, we were just doing really accessible art programming. It was it was a transient population. So it was, you know, we couldn't have a program that built upon what you learned, you know, two weeks ago or whatever, because a lot of times there were new people there. So whenever we were engaging, we were doing really simple activities that could be done just in that hour that we were there. But these were people who were transitioning out of homelessness or had just been released from incarceration or were they were in recovery from addiction, whether it was alcohol or, or drugs, and come in and say like, oh yeah, when I was a little kid, I liked to draw, but but I'm not good at mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And, and with them, I would say, you know, sometimes there's a, a kid in second grade who likes to play basketball. And he's hoping that he's going to be in the NBA one day. And by high school, he kind of knows that he's probably not going to be in the NBA. But he still likes playing basketball. And he goes and plays in school or with his friends after school. And, you know, then he goes off and starts working or goes to college or whatever. And he still plays basketball at the end of the day because it feels good. 
and he's never going to be in the NBA. And, right. and we have to look at art that way. Like we have to be allowed to do it because it feels good and not just because we stack up or don't stack up to the market. Right. Right. So, and, and that was something that I struggled with because because I did go to art school. And so I come from this background and then I'm the creator of this organization that is saying that everybody should be allowed to do art. And I struggled with that for a little while because mm, mm. I'm like, am I am I not being is, is there dishonesty there? Because I really need to be authentic. I really believe this. But on on one side, I'm saying like everybody should be allowed to do art if it feels good. On the other side, I'm like, oh, that person's work is like not great. You know, not not judging the people who are participating with the bus, but people who are participating in the market. So I had to I had to divide that into like if it feels good, it's good to do. If you are participating in the market, your work should be good enough to participate in the market. Just because you work hard doesn't mean your work is going to sell. You're focused on experience and, mm-hmm. in a sense, the freedom, art for all, the freedom and the joy and the empowerment, being involved in that creative experience. You wash the bus. Yes. Gets to the place, people paint it. It exists for a while as a product. Mm-hmm. Then you wash it. Right. And there is the final product, and it is out in the world, and it is interacted by audience and all those things. Mm-hmm. It's got a lightness to it because you use temper paint, right? And the bus gets washed. Yes. So somehow the pathway, all the way through to that end, is created by the freedom of painting this bus. So our bus is—it's a coach bus. And this is the second bus. It's by the, the way, second right? bus. Yeah. We we bought a replacement bus for our first bus. Our first bus was letting us know over a three-year period that it just did not want to go to one more thing. And we were just saying, please, one more, just one more, just one more. And in the end, we were towing it to places. Mm. But I knew that we didn't have the funds to buy a bus. And we, I mean, we could have bought a a $5,000 bus and had the same mechanical issues with it that we had with the wonderful first donated bus. But I wanted to make sure that we had a bus that was going to last us for you know, a few years. So we had a fundraiser and thankfully we have enough people in the community who have seen the value of, of the work that we do that we were able to raise the money to buy a, a, a gently used bus. And so this bus was used at a, an assisted living facility in Seminole, which is really funny because that's where I'm from. And when we bought the bus, we bought it from somewhere in Melbourne, a commercial vehicle dealer in Melbourne. I had no idea it came from Seminole. From your hometown. Yeah, and Seminole's not that big, you know. So it was really funny. Like I knew I knew exactly the the facility that it lived at. I you know, it was really funny in that way. So it came home. It is thirty-four feet long. It's I don't know, eight feet wide, however the widest of a vehicle can be on the road and about twelve, thirteen feet high. The the paint job is just white. It's all completely white. And then the windows that run along the top are, it's just a band of windows that butt right up against each other. So it's like a black band around the top of the bus, which is the windows. So we roll into events with the bus pretty much clean. The the, the paint stains the white a little bit, so it looks like very faint Easter eggy kind of. But yeah, it rolls into events clean mm-hmm. and it gets 
filled up. And so you put pretty. paints out and mm-hmm. aprons and yep, paints and so and people, people come and sign in and and get a cup of paint with a paintbrush and uh, we put aprons. We got aprons for every size, so it, it's really cute when we have to break out the toddler infant aprons. They're tiny. They're so tiny and it's almost ridiculous. It's like a doll apron. And you think like there's no way that a kid this size could even hold a paintbrush, but they do. And it's really awesome to see a a one-year-old like learning that dexterity. You can watch them learn how to dip the paintbrush in Mm -hmm. the paint pot. Mm -hmm. And when they see that they're making a mark, Mm. like you see it in their eyes. It's, It's really, it's really incredible. Do you decide on, like, you're at this event, you're going to choose just pinks and yellows and light greens, and those are the only colors you put out? Do you put out a whole? So we tint all of our tempera, so we end up with pastels, and that started because the the first bus was stained pretty badly with, like, straight undiluted pigments. At some events, we do kind of customize colors. So there there are a lot of different ways that we fund the work that we do. And one of them is to be a service provider at events. So sometimes we are at events on outreach. If we're at a rec center in an area of poverty, we're not, you know, we don't charge the rec center to come in. We get funding from somewhere else to go in. Um, other events, the event sponsors or the event hosts bring us in. And sometimes we have conversations around like color scheme or what what do you want the messaging to be? Do you want us to give people prompts on like what they are expressing at this event? Or do you want it to just be free and open? We love to just give people complete free, you know, whatever they feel like they have to express. But sometimes it works well at an event that has a specific mission to have people thinking around a theme mm-hmm. or... We've done Localtopia several years ago. We were doing a love letter to St. Pete Mm. as part of that. So all of the colors that we were using were like pinks and oranges Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and like peaches. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, so the color scheme of the bus ended up being really warm and pink and purple and things like that. I kind of asked the question because every time I've seen the bus... It somehow makes sense oh, over the course of the couple of days you're there and people who didn't even work at the same time or whatever right. are in communication to right. create something that has some kind of cohesion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somehow there's always something that seems to connect. Well, it. I mean, there's definitely an element of people being inspired by other people's work. If there's no direction at all, generally people will paint their name mm-hmm. or their name loves this other name or the, <laughs> the name of a team or, you know, they're writing and it becomes very text based. Right. Um, okay. It, it's, it's interesting because we do these kind of experiments where some of our teaching artists will paint on the bus first and they'll paint only pictures on the bus and then people will come along, you know, the first participants will come and they'll paint their picture. So uh-huh. it's kind of like what is on the bus is what inspires uh-huh. people a lot of times. It, you know, it's the initial, I'm I'm just touching this paintbrush to this bus or this surface for the first time, and I'm not good at it. But once they get into, like, the flow of working, they, they forgive themselves for not being perfect, and they enjoy, mm-hmm. enjoy the process. It would be very easy for our listeners to start experiencing the stories that you're telling as you being a social service organization, you're out with foster children, you're out in underserved communities, but the entire work 
of thinking it through, developing the ideas, executing it, buying the bus, Mm -hmm. driving the bus, towing the bus, washing the bus, all of that. That is your art practice. That is a like 360 degree, 365 day a year art practice. And that is your product. Right. Yes. And you are approaching this as an artist and an artist for change. Mm-hmm. And right. I think that I couldn't do it in any other way because it's the way that I live my life. We have a lot of responsibility as socially engaged artists to make sure that we are doing work that honors the people we're working with. One of the most valuable things to me that I learned in art school is iteration. So keep asking questions to make it better. And that's what the critique process is about. And and by the time you make it through art school, you you know you learn to apply it to your own work and question what you're doing the whole way through. And you right. know I'm always questioning. I'm still questioning. Why am I doing this? And who am I in the community doing this? And what is my role? And what are my responsibilities? Because we don't come from the background of social work, and we don't come from the background of like in my case art education. We are afforded this luxury of artistic license where we the rules that we are following come from our own moral and ethic fabric and, and i think and that's, your training as an artist i think right yeah yep and and i think that questioning is part of the process because if you don't have those rules that are set by the system, whatever that system is of social work of education you better be questioning the work that you're doing As an artist producing work, whatever work it is, you should always be questioning what is the impact of this work, Mm -hmm. whether it's an environmental impact, whether it's impact on your community. And yes, this is my practice. And thank you for bringing that up, because that is something that, you know, when when we talk about capital A art, we a lot of times initially think painting or sculpture or a thing that you can go to a gallery and pick up and carry home and put in your home. I think that as a socially engaged artist or social practice artist, we are probably dealing with the same kinds of questions and ambiguity that conceptual artists or performance artists or the fluxus movement like that we're dealing with when people were like, well, it doesn't look like art and you have this experience. But to many people, they would walk away and be like, why is that art? Right. And and I feel like many people see what I'm doing as, you know, I'm running an organization. And yes, I am running an organization. And that is part of my artistic practice. I'm running an organization so that I can do my art project. Which is the organization. Is, right. And yes. the bus. Yes. And what really occurred to me is that your your framework is that you are creating something. Yes. Your framework is not that you are solving something. Now, you certainly are solving something, I think, in the creating something. Mm-hmm. But the framework, the question, to go back way to the beginning of our conversation, the question you're asking, in a sense, is not how can I solve the problem of bringing art to all, mm-hmm. but how can I create a world mm-hmm. right. that has art to all? Yeah, and and through that, like, I never thought about art being taught in the community outside of the classroom. Well, that's how we used to do it. Yeah. It happened in the community before we put it in the school, and it's great that we have it in the school, but it also needs to have... I mean, it's like teaching manners, right? Like, it's great that things like social niceties are taught in school, but it should be taught in the community. It should be taught in the home. And to me, you don't stop learning art 
when you walk out of the classroom. It's through curiosity and exploration. You know, and I think I think too often kids are they're they're so measured in school against the standards. And I, I'm okay with measuring them, but I don't think the entire value of a child should be in how they stack up. And, and oftentimes that's, that's how they feel. So you're out in the community offering people arts experiences and encouraging their creativity. Yes. Yeah. And, and maybe a little, maybe an hour at a time. Yeah. We're solving the problem. It, it's too big. <laughs> for any one project, but if enough people, this isn't that difficult. What we're doing here is not that difficult to do every day. Well, that that sounds like a perfect way to close, actually. Great. So thank you very much. I'm honored to be able to do it. You've been listening to Arts In, and I'm here with Carrie Boucher of the Nomad Art Bus. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you. I'm Barbara St. Clair, and you've been listening to Arts In, the Creative Pinellas podcast, sponsored in part by the Pinellas County Board of County Commissioners. Visit St. Petersburg Clearwater and the State of Florida Department of Cultural Affairs. Arts In is produced by Matt and Sheila Cowley. And if you're enjoying this program, we hope you'll take a moment to give us a review. It's easy to subscribe to on your favorite podcast service. You can find more conversations with visual, literary, and performing artists and in-depth arts journalism at creativepinellas.org. Thank you for listening.